You are listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host for the week, Trisha Brown, and this is episode number 427.5. I hope that wherever you are on this late August day that you're doing all right. There is a lot in the world to navigate these days, and I hope whatever waters and challenges you are navigating are as clear and smooth as they can possibly be. For my part, I'm in that odd transitional period between a last summer vacation and the beginning of school. And I feel like even if you don't have kids, the beginning of school feels like a season that you still can't really avoid. School supplies and back to school photos on social media, again, no matter whether or not you have kids, are the thing that kind of transitions many of us from that swimming pool and sunscreen season to Ugh, pumpkin spice latte season and leaves falling and Halloween costumes. Uh, I definitely saw my first Halloween store out the other day in an abandoned mall, unsurprisingly. And I had that sort of summer to fall transition with that school piece shoved in the middle of it in mind recently because I went on a family vacation and I did not have the transition in mind because the weather wasn't anyway fall-like. It was 105 degrees, so it was really more just the vibe of moving into fall. But it was also the fact that I was on vacation with some of my favorite people, including my two 10-year-old nieces and my almost 13-year-old nephew. And they are actually about to go back to school. So I was quizzing them about what they're reading. Mostly it was selfish because I have always had a love for middle grade books. My mom, who is a fifth grade teacher, has collected Newbery winning books for as long as I can remember. I think her set might actually be complete at this point, at least for now. And I always think of the shelves that held those books in our house and still hold them to this day, actually. Technically, the Newbery Award is an ALA award for the most distinguished contributions to American literature for children. That is a quote. But to me, it's always just sort of felt like the Oscar or Olympic gold medal or World Cup medal or whatever in any given year for a middle grade book, even before I knew what a middle grade book was, which is generally a book targeted for like third to eighth graders. But as an adult, I have loved middle grade books just as much as I did as a kid. I think there is a really exceptional skill that an author has to have to be able to write a story that is accessible to younger readers, but also that carries a depth that can appeal to readers of all ages. So, as you may have guessed, we're going to talk about a couple of favorite middle grade books today, right after we get back from the break. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I know some people, now that we're back, are skeptical of kids' books, such as they are. And as someone who reads primarily adult fiction when I read fiction, I totally get that. But the thing that has made me a lifelong reader is my love for stories. It is and has always been the thing that, frankly, I look for first in a book. I feel like in most cases, people who write for younger children are storytellers because they kind of have to be because many young readers are not going to stick around just for the beautiful prose that an author might put together. It's a fun bonus, and I understand that some readers will come just for that. Some of you probably do and did, but let's allow for a little generality here. But those books just made such an impact on me, and the stories in particular. I think the first high fantasy book that I remember reading was The Book of Three by Lloyd Alexander, and the first mystery I ever remember reading was The Westing Game, which I am sure that Liberty has talked about on this podcast at least once. The first Chocolate Factory set book I ever read was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I know you might have thought it was Curious George Goes to a Chocolate Factory, but I've actually never read that one. Uh, Try to contain your surprise. All of that to say that when I want to slip into a reliably good story, sometimes I look back for one of my favorite middle grade books or one that has been recommended to me that I haven't read yet. And the ones that I'm going to talk about today are stories that are told from a variety of perspectives that come together to shape what I think is, in both of these cases, a very satisfying finale. So first up is a book called The View from Saturday by E.L. Konigsberg, and that author's name might be familiar to you because she also wrote a book called From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, which was, speaking of Newbery winners, actually a Newbery winner from the 1960s. And The View from Saturday is a book from 1996. It is about four sixth graders who compose a school academic trivia team and how their coach and teacher kind of brought them all together. So the style of the book is a little bit reminiscent. You might remember the 2008 movie Slumdog Millionaire, which was actually based on a book that came out a few years before that. The style of this book is a little bit similar in that the different questions in the final competition that this book focuses on, each offer an opportunity to kind of go back in time and present a vignette about each one of these four kids and how they came to be the kind of person that would know the answer to a particular question. All four of these kids are a little different from one another. One has spent most of his life on a cruise ship. Another is a little bit skeptical of her new step-grandmother, et cetera, et cetera, dealing with kid stuff. And the question underlying the whole story is how Mrs. Olinsky, who is the coach, happened to pick these four kids for her academic quiz team. She gets asked that question all the time, especially as the team becomes more successful. And occasionally she makes up an answer. Uh, In fact, there's like a school administrator who's being kind of a jerk about it. So she lies to him in a way that is uh, a little unusual. And the reality is that she doesn't actually know either and till the competition ends, how the team came together. The question of how they came together eventually becomes overt, but I think the more satisfying part of the book is the way that the kids organically become a team, overcoming bullies and bus etiquette and all kinds of other life stuff to find kindness and community and tea all together and among one another. I will say The View from Saturday is from almost 30 years ago, so at times it does feel a little bit dated, but that aspect of it, for me personally, did not get in the way of my enjoyment of it. Just kind of something to keep in mind. 
A more recent book about a more distant time period is Echo, which is a 2015 book by Pam Munoz Ryan. The story begins, as the book tells us, 50 years before the war to end all wars, which, for those of you who don't remember or didn't know, is a reference to World War I. So it kind of sets this very early short chapter or kind of prologue in the 1860s. And it establishes this sort of magical and mystical framework for the book, which involves a witch and three trapped daughters of a king and a mystical harmonica. I can feel some of you getting skeptical, but stick with me. So like with that short prologue and that background set, we move then pretty quickly into the first of three seemingly unrelated vignettes from the 1930s and 40s each of which involves a child who is managing a personal crisis, in some cases a life-threatening crisis, and each of whom shares a love of music and eventually a particular magical harmonica tying us back to our mystical prologue, but we will come back to that. I will let you discover some of that for yourself. Anyway, the first story is set in 1933 Germany, in which Friedrich Schmidt and his father and uncle are trying to figure out how to escape a Germany that is increasingly under the control of Adolf Hitler. Their friends and neighbors are turning on them. They don't know how to navigate it, and they don't know how to get away. We kind of leave that on a cliffhanger and move to the second story, which is set a couple of years later in 1935, when Mike, who is an orphan kid in the eastern U.S., I believe it's in Philadelphia, is trying to keep his family together. And his family essentially is him and his younger brother, And he will do anything to keep his younger brother safe, even if it means Mike has to go off on his own, possibly to join a touring harmonica band, which sounds a little crazy, but it, you know, seems like it was kind of a big deal in the 1930s. So the the boys are maybe going to be adopted. They maybe aren't. It's a lot of stress for an 11-year-old. Again, we end on a bit of a cliffhanger and move into, speaking of a lot of stress for a preteen, the final story, which is about Ivy, whose father is a Mexican-American migrant worker in California in 1942. He gets a job that means the family has to move again, but it seems like the move might be long-term, though it's a little complicated because the farm he's going to work belongs to a Japanese-American family that has been imprisoned in a concentration camp. Ivy is dealing with both racism against herself and her family, but she's also trying to navigate the racism against the Japanese-American family that has been forcibly removed from their home and the property on which Ivy and her family are living. So the three stories sit apart in time and place and unique experience, but there is a love of music that ties the three together. And the final section of the book not only ties the three main characters together, but it offers resolution to that magical mystery I mentioned that opens the book. I'll note that the resolution to some of the conflict might feel like it comes a little bit quickly or a bit easily, but I felt like the storytelling and the way the characters were written really kept me engaged in this book. I don't know if you all watched it, but I recently watched the documentary Judy Bloom Forever, and the way Pam Munoz Ryan is able to put a reader into the heart and mind of a kid felt like it had some echoes of Judy Bloom's extraordinary and maybe, frankly, unparalleled ability to do that same thing. So worth checking out for that reason, if nothing else. Um, so whether or not you know someone who is starting school, 
Now you got a couple of books that focus on telling the stories of middle school kids with complexity and depth that I believe can appeal to adults as well. These books are both fairly quick reads. I found them really engaging. And you can find links to both The View from Saturday and Echo in the show notes. So you can just click from there. Thanks, as always, to our sponsor. And speaking of magical and mystical, a huge thanks as well to our audio editor, Jen Zink. And thank you, of course, for listening. For more recs and general bookishness, you can check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. As I mentioned, you can find the books I mentioned in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. Remember that if you are a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show some love, just leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We appreciate the review. It helps other book lovers find us. And if you want to find me, I am on Instagram and now actually Blue Sky. We'll see how that goes. Both at Trisha Haley Brown. And, uh, you know, that's it for today. But for now, until we talk again, please do take good care and happy reading. Happy reading.